So, Finn, just in case anybody is listening to this, can you explain the concept behind this, the re- your reasonings as to why you've started this podcast? Yeah, so obviously we used to be in a band together. Um, and with being in a band when you're a kid, uh, there's a lot of funny things that happen, a lot of mad gigs, a lot of really cringeworthy moments, terrible tragic songs, uh, and everything else that sort of comes with it. So what I wanted to do was get you with me together and then go and interview some of our mates that we used to know from the scene, but also get some people perhaps with a bit more of a chance (laughs) and a bit more profile (laughs) to come and join us as well and tell us about their first bands and their first experience with it. So hopefully, if it all comes together, should be a pretty good cast. So I'll I'll eventually prompt you about what what today's show's about, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Finn, can you introduce yourselves to anybody listening? Yeah, I'm Finn, um, and I my day job is working in production. That's really boring. What sort of production? I, I'm a freelance uh, branded content producer. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, it's as boring as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and yourself? Uh, I'm Jack. I'm a hugely unsuccessful musician and music teacher. Nice. And this is our podcast... We were, we're in, in a, a band. band. <laughs> we were in a band. A really shit band. And now we talk to people about the first bands. All the bad kids. And other tragic things. That only ever happened. Was being in a band. <laughs> wow. right, so who we got on the show this week, mate? So today we've got Sam from Treehouse Fire. They are a UK reggae band. Uh, they've played all over Europe and UK and they've supported the Skints and Real Big Fish, just to name a few. And they've played a buttload of festivals, uh, most notably Boomtown. I think Sam had said they played that five times at least. Yeah, so he's had a great time with Treehouse Fire over the last few years. They've got three albums out at the moment, the most recent of which they recorded completely remotely during the thick of that first lockdown. So that their most recent album is called Isolation Jam. So that's available everywhere. But they've got two other really great records as well. But obviously Sam has joined us today to talk about a time before Treehouse Fire, before, you know, playing big festivals and doing sold out tours across UK and Europe, you know, all the, yeah. those formative years. How did it all start? I can't wait to find out. We were in a band. To go back to the very, very start, yeah, I sort of started my first ever band by, right, there was a guy in my school who was a year younger than me. I think I was year five, he would have been year four. So he was a kid the year below me, and uh, we he showed me, I think it was Oasis first or something like that back in the day. Oh. I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's the wrong one. That's the wrong button. I just played the wrong sample. <laughs> Sorry. Right, when right. someone Go mentions Oasis, I got, I've got to play this sample. And after all, you're my wonder wonder That's lovely like, stuff. Mike Flowers, Mike Flowers? Anyone? Is that the guy? Yeah, yeah, Mr. Mike it. Flowers, of course. It's, um, <laughs> it's anyone, anyone who says the O word, <laughs> you get, you yeah, get Mike cool. Flowers. <laughs> that's quality. But yeah, so he showed me that, and I was like, I'm not that keen, but the band that like hooked us the most, and it was our first try at being a band, was actually like a boy band. Do you remember a group called 3T? 
three. They were teeth. Michael Jackson's nephews. Yeah, like really, <laughs> like I can, I, honestly, I can't even tell you the name of the song. But there was three of us that decided we were going to be in this band, and we didn't have that. Like one of them played guitar, like Kyle, my my kind of good friend, who I'll go on to explain about in a bit. But yeah, yeah, he sort of half played guitar, but we decided we were going to be this like vocal harmony three piece boy band. Whoa. We were just like boys to yeah, men. Sweet, yeah, something along that vibe. Three T. We were just absolutely <laughs> whack and terrible, but. Um, yeah, no, so we tried that, and we were like, yeah, that's kind of cool. And then I think we were just like, maybe we should try and do it as a band. So, like, well, I decided I was going to be the singer because I had zero musical talent. I just like singing. Got a great voice, Sam. Thank you. I've grown into it. I've definitely learned how to use it more the longer I've gone on. Like, before, again, when we go through some of the stories later, like, the, the warm-ups for some of the gigs was just us, like, smoking a joint and then just shouting <laughs> banana. Like, at the top of your lungs, like, like, banana, banana! And I just remember us doing it, thinking it was hilarious, then playing a gig for, like, 20 minutes, going, I've got no throat left, I can't sing anything. The thing is, there's <laughs> nothing like a good banana and a scream to really get well, you, mate, you know, Yeah, honestly, after, I think that's it. I should say that to, yeah, just kids nowadays. Warm up, shout banana, yeah, as you can. I've got a little clip of that first song here that I'm going to play on one of my many samples on here. Wicked, what were good, the band good, called, yeah. Sam? What were the band called? Oh, the, oh sorry, this band's called Co- uh, Complex GSL. I've actually got a tattoo. Would you like to see my tattoo yes man yeah, show us. Is, i mean no one listening uh, can see it but i can describe it okay right cool yeah. so this is the guy it's like a little character so it's probably hard to see but i used to draw a lot um so he's right. standing up on top of a star here and he's got complex gsl written in his arm like just uh, yeah. in there but obviously tattoos go blurry i've got a tattoo of every band i've been i've got a little bit on there because i'm all for one with tattoos just like they they don't have to be good i've got so many terrible tattoos right? and yeah. then when people are like when you're old what are you gonna do i was like i'm gonna be old <laughs> with terrible tattoos it's, not, <laughs> your problem. It's, it's okay don't worry i love 100%. i love how the the innocence of this as well because like clearly that clearly you you set out in that pop punk vein to be like anti-establishment and political but here the problems you're dealing with are so simple i'm going to play this sample first so everyone can <laughs> kind of get an idea what we're talking about it's just a little tiny snippet it's peak peak teenage angst exactly yeah (laughs) have a listen to this I love that. To be fair, we, that was actually like, that was our first proper release. We'd done like ridiculously. We'd recorded about four CDs before that, but all in a bedroom on a tape recorder. Like <laughs> it's always ridiculous, like that kind of like over thing. Like yeah, it was absolute spooned out. The, the tape recorder sessions. They saw there were some great names. We had the bedroom years, which was us <laughs> naked. <laughs> like <laughs> however old we were, like 14, 15 years old, trying to be funny and be like naked in a bedroom, and then realizing oh, this is probably a bit weird. That we're all trying to take a picture naked. Yeah, honestly. The, the thing for me is because when I was younger, being into all those kind of Orange County punk bands and like California punk bands, everything I sung was American. And I never realised for a long time like, just how how much that can grate you. And then uh, so when I started like bands as I got older, I really have worked. Well, I, I say I work. I worked really hard for about five months to just proper try and lose it because I've done musicals at school and that kind of stuff. I enjoyed yeah. singing, but everything I sung was with an American accent. So it's really hard like trying to learn to sing again without sounding like Dick Van Dyke out of fucking Mary Poppins. <laughs> You know, like, it is. What was your first gig? What's what's your memory of that? What and what happened? Right, for, for first gig ever. It sort of takes it a little bit back to before the organised days of us trying to be punks. When we first got the band together, um, this was uh, and I, I think I decided that instead of just singing, I should play the bass to do something. And luckily, we our he was a PE teacher, but also like kind of a form teacher in first school. Um, he gave us the opportunity to do a gig at an assembly in our school. So this That's was like it. us at, at the end, at the end of year six, like first first ever gig. We're essentially playing out like the end of year thing, 
And I can't remember what it was we played. It would have been a Green Day song, I think. Probably Time of Your Life or something like that. Classic. Um, yeah, classic. you know, the, the, when you can play when you can play a G, you can sort of finger bang the rest of it and work out where you are. So it's, um, <laughs> Not in year yeah, six. So, no, no. <laughs> We're on finger bang record. Finger bang record. Come on, bro. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that, that's pretty much, yeah, that, that was our first gig, proper gig. And then we moved on to, from there on, it gave us that little bit of confidence. And we did a couple of Battle of the Bands, like I was talking to Jack about, like nice. Battle of the Band classic vibes, you know. And we What were the prizes of these Battle of the Bands? What we, sort of prizes were up for grabs? We won a cup, like an actual cup, I think. And that was it. There was no other prize to it. It was just like a trophy. And it was just like, well, it's really cool. Because it's like, yeah, I like trophies. It's, it's really recognition. Cool. It's recognition. Yeah, exactly, man. And we yeah. was... The funny thing about that was, like, I'd been, cause I used to play rugby a bit as well when I was younger, and we'd been on a rugby tour. And again, this is like year six, so when people are trying to be a bit more laddie and copy their older brothers kind of thing, I had my eyebrows shaved off, shaved off on this rugby tour. Nice. Have, I will find a picture. I should have sorted it out. So when we played this Battle of the Bands and we won it, and I'm there posing in the paper with a cup, I just got no eyebrows. Got like a little <laughs> potato face. I'm just like... <laughs> And I said, back then, back then I had no beard, I had no nothing. It was just like eyebrows and yeah, <laughs> eyebrows are gone. Favorite venue that we played kind of would have been with Pickle Dick. I'm sure you guys will know Pickle Dick <laughs> if you know this area. <laughs> so yeah, Mr. Pickle Dick. No, who is yeah. Pickle Dick? I'm not familiar. Uh, so, so they 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 turned into a band called Mike TV. And so there's a guy called John Cosgrove. He's a, he's a he's a funny, lovely guy. He's been a good friend of mine since we were little, like back in those GYC days. Um, so I played with Pickle Dick a lot. Uh, we played with. Um, JB Conspiracy, who used to be called Duff Muffin, no they were way. like wicked back. Yeah, the JB, uh, you, my friend Matt Carson. Your friends with Matt Carson. Matt Don't Car- be silly. That is absolutely I am, bizarre. I am very, very good, very good friends with Matt Carson. He genuinely saved my life one particular night as well. No, and we were out for a drive one night, um, and literally just driving down this sort of country road. He'll verify this story with you as well. I, it's, I never ever forget this. I was like genuinely thought I was going to die. We're going down this road, and I'm there in the passenger seat. He's driving. Like only been driving for like a year, or not even a year. We're new to driving. Yeah, brand new. And then the all car. of a sudden, we go around this corner, and there's a car that literally is on our side of the road and the car on the other side of the road and we're just like ah well, I say we're just like this I, I'm just like right fucking dead that's it <laughs> like, but somehow he managed to like slam the steering wheel went up a bank a bit and then come back down like that and we'd stopped and about three cars in front of us had all done the same Holy and we're shit. all on this road just like whoa like 100% and then we're just like oh, what do we do now he's like I don't know man. I'm pretty peak. I'm pretty peaky actually I might drop you off my guy pretty peaky. Like, yeah, <laughs> so from the first gig now we want to talk about the worst gig because we all know, especially oh, where, where oh, you grew venue up in a similar well, name area. and shame venues. Yeah, well, okay, right. There, there's one particular place that was just we played there a lot as well, actually, and it was an arsehole to get to, and it was just never ever any good. And it was the cartoon in Croydon, always so grubby and always just like really scary. I remember the bar lady in there; she was like an older lady, and every time we'd turn up. She'd like just proper scowl at you like you're not meant to be here and you're setting up to play and you're like, there's not going to be anyone here. And it was obviously we never, ever got paid for it. We just got booked to play there. They'd give us a drink, but it had to be a non-alcoholic drink because we were under 18. Um, They'd give us food, but it had to be a particular cheese sandwich that they just had wrapped up. You know, like old school pub food used to just be at the... (laughs) Like on the front, yeah, it was, it was just a it was just a weird vibe, but we kept going back. It was just like it was a good way to practice and play gigs. I guess we were, <laughs> we were desperate to do it, but it was just consistently one, one of, of the, the worst venues. The good thing about it was, I don't know if you're into Peep Show, but you know the yeah, the man. block of flats that um, that they live in yeah. when it pans up to it. That block of flats is directly behind the cartoon. <laughs> but you know, I'd say that's got to be an overall worst gig. Obviously, there there was some shockers just because of. 
it being the time of your life it is and getting into drinking and not appreciating like that you can't just get smashed and play <laughs> and, and like just doing some terrible terrible gigs <laughs> yeah. just oh yeah more like uh, yeah okay so i think one of the first times i i think i think i was too, I was too young to be drinking so i don't want to be bigging it up and, and going yeah it's wicked because I'm, I'm i'm pretty sure my kid can hear me and she's 16 now so i don't want to go into the kitchen and find her just lashing out all the booze but um <laughs> yeah like do you know what i mean so the first time you'd we'd, i think we turned up to a particular gig at a house party and got given a load of beers and it was like the first time we've ever got a rider that's cool and house I party th- gig yeah, that's I, rad it was wicked and it was Good like fun. the little um they're from Tesco's, uh, like the little stubby bottles of like French <laughs> lager. Do you know what I mean? We like, would call them call... Um, Calais de Shite, didn't we, Jack? Calais de Knob. <laughs> so we had, we had basically like there's a, we were a three piece band, and the three of us had one of these like to share from. And I was just like drinking it like it was chocolate, and just thinking this is wicked. Like about five minutes before we were supposed to play, I'm just like, no, this is no gig. This, this is a party. This isn't a gig. And they're like, no, you've got to play. He's like, right, I'll try. I had to do a little bit of a tactical chunder. Um, oh man! It's mad how yeah, honestly, and I was just terrible. And I, th- I thought I'd, I thought I'd recovered it and got back in, and then it got to the end of it, and I just remember just being like, "That oh, was terrible." The rest of the band weren't upset with me because we were probably a bit too young to be taking ourselves seriously. <laughs> but it was a definite disappointment when you've got an excitement for a gig and you're like, oh, "I'm going to play, and it's going to be wicked," and you're like, "I don't even remember that gig." Oh, <laughs> was, yeah. I was what was bad. the gaff like that you played it in? Oh, it was probably nice, man. We were saying sorry, so it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing was too too bad, to be fair, in sorry, was it? It was yeah. all pretty, no, pretty uh, agreeable. Can't, can't win. We were very much a comedy, pop-punk ska band. So it sort of saved your graces a little bit so you could turn up and be a bit more smashed. But oh, looking back at it, it was a terrible idea. I would much preferred to have honed my musical skills better than I did. But then I've got to say, I'm probably... Uh, Probably a, uh, a fool for it every now and then with Treehouse Fire gigs. I'll have a couple of beers more than I should do. Sometimes just... the vibe feels nice. So, yeah. I think that the older I got, I think it happened. There was one particular Treehouse, sorry to jump forward to current bands. There was one particular festival we played and our bass player, like one of my best mates, we turned around after the gig. He was like, that was good. And I was like, cool. And he was like, but you can't treat every gig like a fucking party. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah. But then honestly, from that moment, that was probably yeah, a good, like kind of, I say a good two years ago. It's been a year without gigs because of COVID really. But the year before that, I, I sorted my act out and I became a better front man for it. And it was one. Nice. So. Yeah, that's good. I imagine you turning up in a suit for like the next gig. <laughs> <laughs> totally misreading the Got song. a treat. <laughs> we were in a band. So that was part one with our interview with Sam. Very, very insightful. I think you'd agree, Finbar. He's a great guy. I'm loving chatting yeah. to him, man. He's got some very funny stories. So we'll be coming back to Sam in just a moment, but we've got somebody else. Who have we got next up, Finn? Yes, mate. Today we've got, um, as part of the cast, we're always going to get one of our mates uh, in to chat to us. And this week we've got Mr. Josh Reeves. Now, Josh um, is a drummer from our hometown. Um, he played formerly with uh, Woken smash hit heavy metal band Sins Deep. SD. Uh, SD, shout out to SD. Uh, before going on to actually play a few shows with Jack and myself later on, uh, took much more of an indie vibe. So we're basically getting Josh on to have a little reminisce, a bit of catch up um, and to talk about Sins Deep and, and where those guys went and, and what sort of stuff they did. It's very funny. It's very reminisce uh, So apologies in advance. There's a lot of stuff we talk about that might be a bit of an in-joke. But you know what? If, if you don't understand anything, write in. Let us know. <laughs> Give us a shout. Ask us what it's all about. But yeah, there's a great little convo we have with Josh. It's really nice to catch up with him. Uh, and you can listen to that in this next section here. 
We were in a band. What was the first Sins Deep gig, Josh? First Sins Deep gig we played Backline. This was pre-smoking band. And it's a fucking tiny little room <laughs> under one of the arches in Guildford. And it's like, mate, it was dark. It, it was yeah. potent smoke in there. Yeah, it and was just wasted. surrounded by burly dudes who are too old to be at these kind of gigs. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Interesting story about Backline. First time I went there, could have been for your guy's show. Um, I learned what a Prince Albert piercing was. And I was like, oh, what's this guy up to? And uh, he got his dick out straight away. And I saw this pretty, he's like, that's called a Prince Albert, mate. And I was like, oh, man. Sort of laughed it off and then turned around like, I'm too young to be here. Mate, I've got a feeling his name was Brutus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, I don't know what he's doing these days. But um, yeah, and then I met, I just remember playing that gig and it was like, oh, I shit myself. Did you, did Sins Deep do much gigging outside of Woking? Like the furthest field we ever went was, um, we did like a big battle of the bands. Mate, it was the most rigged thing I've ever got. In Manchester, was it Manchester? Yeah, it was Manchester. It the and like the finals in Manchester, but you, it was like, oh, you have to sell 100 tickets at £10 yeah, oh, yeah. each. Yeah. That must have been pretty freaky. It was a big, it was a big show. Yeah, it was freaky, man. And I'll always remember, like before I went on, um, I think Elliot's one of Elliot's pedals broke yeah. for his on his pedal board, and he was like, "I have to have this. I have to get it." So we were like, "Fuck, we got like an hour to be playing." <laughs> oh, no. Um, like, right, where is there the like nearest music shop around here? So we found this shop, managed to get a pedal, sweet, and we were walking back to the venue. And just this big burly, like I don't know, five or six lads, these these mank dudes, just came up to me like, Legolas. Legolas and I was she like, had long hair at the time. Proper long <laughs> yeah. blonde hair, yeah. I was like, oh, fuck you know, here we go. And they're like, oh, do you want to go? I can't do an accent. He was like, do you want to get in a bush? I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> no. No. He's like, yeah, you, you want to go in the bush, don't you, Legolas? And no. I was like, nah, nah, I really don't, lads. I really don't. And they were like, oh, fucking get in the bush. All of them just picked me up and just <laughs> loved me in this fucking holly bush. <laughs> and I'm there, like, help, help. <laughs> And Elliot's just like, oh, what the fuck's going on here? I've never heard that story. Yeah, mate, I just got bullied before I went on. And then I got, and then we like, yeah. They don't know who you are. Yeah, yeah, I'm fucking seems deep, mate. Final of the Battle of the Bands, chill out. Oh, um, God, man. Yeah, and then I got out of this bush and then, yes, like clambered back to the venue, feeling a bit sorry for myself, and then played the gig and got stitched up. What was the prize? Oh, mate, it was quite enticing. I think it was like... (laughs) It wasn't a record deal, but it was something like... (laughs) It wasn't a record deal, but (laughs) that that terrifies me. It was like a a music video paid for and, like, produced or something like that. And, like, I don't know, five grand or something like that, ten grand. I don't know. It was quite a lot of money or, like, a fuckload of gear. (laughs) What sort of gear? Yeah, what sort of gear? I think it was, yeah, I think it was some shit like that. I can't remember, but it seemed pretty good to us at the time. We were like, ah, it's worth a shot, isn't it? Should we, should we talk about Aylesbury? Oh, oh dude. Shit, man. What a gig. This, this is a so, story. This is a good story. So picture the scene. June 2012, you've driven up, I think, either in my Corsa or Finn's Blue Peugeot. I think we were all in the same car as well. <laughs> Pulled up, found the venue, parked up, right, let's go get some food. Went to the Weatherspoons. As soon as we get to Weatherspoons, there's a bloke pulling a butter knife on someone, trying to stab him. Oh, Jesus, And we knew, yeah. we knew then we were in for a good one. That said, right, that was before we even loaded in. I remember thinking when we were driving there, I was like, Aylesbury sounds like a really nice town. 
It sounds like a place yeah. that's really pleasant. And then we rock up, kick the doors down into the spoons and there's a fucking <laughs> brawl going on. <laughs> hey, I remember getting to the venue as well. And, and that's like, it, we hadn't even got to the venue by that point. No, 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 no. we just scoped out the area and we got there. No, I thought we went to the venue first because we I remember dropped saying to them, like, something. can we get any food here? Like, it was a pub, wasn't it, essentially? Up yes, just there. Yeah. Fuck, and I remember saying, like, oh, can, do, you, do you do any food? No, we're a fucking pub, mate. Okay. <laughs> Like, do you, know, I, you got anything? Crit? Nah, it's fucking weird. <laughs> right. And then we came back then from the spoons. I remember it was a really late one as well. We were only on second, but we went on at about half nine, ten. Yeah. That was second on. And but obviously before, I mean, we need to talk about the first act that went on. It was this bloke? I forget his name, but he started off playing just a bit of classical guitar. And I thought, oh, this is really pleasant. This guy's just going to do some instrumental music. Nice. And then he busts out his saxophone and for 12 minutes playing off-key, random, just... <laughs> Improv. Yeah, like 12 minutes of it. And the people at the bar were just shaking their head. And then he did that and we were like, right, well, that's... Maybe his set's over now because he's been on 20 minutes and only done two songs. Then he busts out the... I think it was like a... A tape recorder of a sound of a baby crying, wasn't it? He put that on yeah, the mic. Yeah, yeah, oh, and the chainsaw. Noise. Hitting, yeah, then the chainsaw noise and started hitting a gong as well. And I think that's that what he ended his set with. That's mental. Really nice guy, though, to be fair. Did we? Yeah, it's just crazy. Did, did we then have to follow that or were we later on? Yeah, yeah, so we, yeah we followed that. Yeah, oh, we followed that. Me. How do you um, follow that? Then, like, that's so fucking <laughs> weird. Kick a baby on so the way yeah. The bloke. <laughs> When we were leaving, oh, there was a bloke man. in a cowboy hat at the bar. He got in a fight and he was saying, yeah, I saw you laughing at me. And not only were you laughing at me, but you shagged my wife as well. And these two blokes just started having a fight. And one of them was wearing a cowboy hat. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, didn't he get, like, he got kicked down the stairs, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I remember the cowboy hat guy because I'm pretty sure we, like his hat was on the floor and we were sort of laughing at it because he'd lost his hat, <laughs> obviously, during the, during the brutal fucking throwdown. We were in a band. So that was our interview with Mr. Josh Reeves. Josh, again, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Big up, Josh. We've got to go for a beer when time's all right. Um, yeah, shout out to Josh. And obviously, MIR Seafood. That's his, uh, that's his uh, seafood company that he runs. Got yes. Food truck. Josh, although he's not drumming now, has become a baller head chef. So if you're ever in the Chichester area, hit me up. I'll tell you where he works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to head back to part two of our interview with Sam from Treehouse Fire. Because we talk about venues. Uh, did you ever play the Peel? No, mate. Love Let's that Peel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had some funny, funny gigs there. Obviously, being an underage band playing the Peel is like, it's his own problems. Because I don't know if you got there, there was a security guard out the front called Eric. And he used to have a mullet. Like, it's about eight foot tall, I promise you. Anybody listening to this that knows Eric from the Peel in around the 2000s, like, you always have these, like, mad camo pants. Probably about eight foot, but only because I was a, a very short, fat kid. Um, a weird mullet. But it's just like, every time we get there, it was like, you can't come in, you're not 16. It's like, Eric, we're playing. And he's just like, no, you can't come in. I was like, we've been booked. I promise you, it's fine. We can play. We'd always have the same argument before we went in there. And then the woman would come out and be like, yeah, it's fine. They're playing. He'd be like, okay, fine. It's like, come on, man. I used to love... And then trying to order drinks at... It was mad trying to order drinks at the bar, and like obviously they've got the they've got a regular bar. There's a swing door that opens up to a strip club out the back. Yeah. I don't know if anybody knows about it, but yeah, you know about it. <laughs> so as soon as that opens there, it's just that classic thing of like we're all like here looking through the door and then <laughs> yeah. following it. So we're like, I'll get back to ordering a Coca Cola, please. <laughs> 
did you ever have any dodgy promoters? I, I just remember there was a lot of people crawling around the scene who would promise big yeah. things and, and deliver yeah. fuck all, to be honest. But again, any people you want to name and shame? Oh, honestly, naming and shaming is not the one because most of these people have become my pals now. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, back in the day, there was. I think that's the thing. After a while, I think when you're first getting started, you're like, right, I don't care where I play. I don't care who I play to. I don't care if I get paid. I just want to play. Mm. So I think we mm. very much got into that uh, opinion and, and would chuck ourselves far and wide and we would... We would travel down to like Devon and play for nothing and, and expend it all ourselves just like going on the Megabus or National <laughs> Express, honestly. It's, it was hilarious. We were still super little. No one really took us seriously. We had a, a few London venues that we went and played at on the promise of a, either a door cut or a split or just something like that, a, yeah. a bare travel expense. And we'd get to the end of the night and they'd be like, nah, sorry, there's nothing left. And we're there as like 16, 17 year olds about to jump on a train going, oh, well, fuck it. Well, we played, <laughs> played a nice gig. That was all right. But, um, yeah, we shot ourselves in the foot just by being up for doing everything, I think. But it was still a nice way to spend the time. I feel like a lot of the time those those promoters are... Because <laughs> like when you're getting an amateur band gigs, right, if you're, if you're doing the, the, the promise of that, you've got to question their motives because that, that can't be earning <laughs> yeah. them much money. Yeah, it, it's funny. With the promoters around us, I think a lot of the kids that were promoting when we were getting going were the kids that weren't in bands. So everybody yeah. was of a similar age and they were like, right, I, I'm part of this scene. I want to I want to do something. I want to give something back. So it was always a lot of it was like, yeah, I'll, I'll blag my mum to buy you up a rider and then that'll be your payment. You can have some crisps and a couple of beers sort of thing. So we put on gigs under the name of Bum Monkey. <laughs> and, our, and our logo was a horrible. I drew a picture of a monkey with a finger in his bum. And that was our logo for our flyers. It was, yeah. <laughs> You got a tattoo of that, sir? I don't, mate. I don't. I'm happy I don't. <laughs> Maybe I will one day. Yeah. Was yeah. this Sam, was this the band that you went so for I remember you telling me uh what about now? You, you went, yeah, you did your so year ten work experience, you went on tour yeah. with your band. Was yeah, this that like, band? It, it was a it was a huge, huge blag, but we managed to get away with it because basically the first half was in a recording studio. So we were like sort of, yeah, technically working. Yeah. But then the other three days, we'd booked three gigs down in Devon. So we basically put together this package <laughs> and been like, yeah, we've got we've got a music week set up, like irrelevant of whether it's two, com- uh, two completely separate things. Like, yeah, working in a studio for the first like kind of three days, so the first two days. And then we went to Devon and did like a three day like sort of, it's like a mini tour but on a mega bus I have to tell about the end of that story as well because it it basically ends up with us getting a mega bus down into I don't know wherever we were in Devon I had an auntie that lived out that way so we sort of had a base as it were we got picked up and got lifts around from some of the bands uh, down there to move us around the gigs basically got to the last gig and then found that we'd lost our fucking megabus tickets or whatever it was and I ended up having to call my mum and get her to come pick us up from <laughs> Devon for us it was like and that's not even a story that you do like mum I need pick up where are you I'm like three and a half hours away <laughs> that's, uh, so yeah it was yeah. it was it was hilarious like, and, Devon. I, I, Oh. I think the funniest thing was having to try and write the report because obviously after work experience you're like what did you learn what did you do like yeah. all the, the little paragraphs you fill out and I'm just like ah oh. 
And then that was, it was a good experience. And it will build my confidence. Or just some, yeah, honestly, I can't even tell you what I said. It was hilarious. It, and then the thing is, then we did, our school was weird. We did two um, work experiences. There might have been one in year 11 afterwards. I went fishing for that one. I literally just went fishing. And I, my godfather worked at a fishery and he was like, you can come here and help. And I was like, cool. And I, was like, I don't even like fishing. Just, just fishing. It was, yeah, it was a nice way to spend some time. So, yeah, yeah. work experience. That is, it's well worth it. You can go on tour and go fishing. It's quality. Yeah, I'm but sure. Your mom, so did your mum come pick you up immediately or did she tell you to, yeah, to wait I, I think bit. it was a case of like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that we got a stern like, no. And then I think, I think, I might be wrong, but I think in the end they came down and obviously because I had family in the area anyway, I think they stayed for like a day to make it worthwhile before we drove back home with everyone. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Might as well have a <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so technically I did a good thing for the family there. That was all right, wasn't it? Well, you so. brought the family together, and that is absolutely priceless, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> what was your sort yeah. of, like, almost famous moment? What was your, like, closest to fame moment? Right, I think, I think for me, and I can remember, it was a restaurant we got taken out by um, the, the particular label label that we were with yeah uh, after that cd that i played you there was apparently a label interested so we went out for a meal genuine thing here and i was i think me kyle one of the guys from the label we were with and this other random guy that had some dollar i can't even remember his name <laughs> or who he was but we went to a nice restaurant and we were there like going for cigarettes like me and kyle what was the restaurant what was what was it uh, it was like right on the river in kingston it was really beautiful i can't remember what it was so went out for this meal and i just remember thinking mate we've made it now this is going to be us this guy's keen he's talking about all the right stuff this is going to be amazing like honestly went back home told my mum how everything's going to be perfect had it in my head when i was 16 i was like i'm going to be the most famous person in the world like genuinely thought that and then like just nothing happened. We kept doing the same sort of things. Like he'd pop down to a rehearsal and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Try on this. And we're like, okay, right. Yeah, we'll give that a go. And it almost ended up becoming a trying to find like the hit song. And it was just like, after a while, you're like, right, there's no traction or movement behind any of this. We didn't get anything that was promised. We probably haven't taken it as seriously as we could have done. Yeah. But yeah, it was just ended up not, not materialising at all. So yeah, but that would have been the moment where I thought I was going to make it was that out of that meal in Kingston. Do you feel like that was that was a, it was a genuine opportunity there? I do. I genuinely do. But I don't know that's because of my naivety and how young I was and just being in a situation where you're out having an... I've never been out for a meal because of being in a band before. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, yeah. Do you know, um, it's, it's like, oh, someone's buying me dinner. I must have made it now. Like, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, no, I remember just, yeah, just sort of thinking like that. And I, to be honest, I always thought when I was younger, I thought music would be... I, I thought I'd cream it easy peasy. And when the band, first band got going, it almost felt like we weren't putting in much effort, but we were getting bigger shows and we were doing nicer things. And our Music was coming better, even though we were still essentially just living the life of being in a band as opposed to really like dedicating time to making the music at certain points, you yeah. know? And what, how did it all end then with, uh, with that band? That iteration. Oh man, the moment, a blaze of glory, a blaze of glory. I promise you, we all had some madness that just went on out of nowhere. Oh yeah, so we we got we'd made it through school. We became good at being a band. <laughs> we made it through school. We became good at being a band, going on tour, and like say so, yeah, and just kind of working ourselves around. Got to seventeen, got into college. We're like, right, now is the time where our band has got all the time in the world to be a band. We all went to the same college, all studied the same BTEC national diploma in rock and popular music. No so we're like, way. right, we're, toge we're together every day. We've got free rehearsal spaces. We've got free recording. This is going to be the business. 
And uh, basically, our drummer just got mad into partying, like partying proper hard. Still a beautiful, lovely guy, but ended up partying so much, got involved in a crazy car accident, had like, ended up with like plastic. Honestly, it sounds so dramatic, but it's mad. Ended up with like plastic surgery on his face to rectify things. Um, I I met a lady and got her pregnant and became a father. And And our guitarist just basically decided that he wants to live everywhere in the world that isn't here. So in the space of like that year when we're like, right, we're going to make this band work. We're like, oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> there is no band left I love now. that. Like, all it it sounds like you had a good time doing that though in that, in that did, very short yeah. space. We were, we were all, honestly, honestly, I feel, I feel like, like it could, could have been a movie because we, we were still, still trying, trying to make the rehearsals in college time happen but all that happened was we'd get there be like, right, set up. So I'm like, right, let's go out for a smoke. Yeah, went down, had a smoke outside, come back in, bungle around for another half an hour, play a couple of songs, probably about lunchtime now, get out to McDonald's. Like, just yeah. classic waste of waste of time in that. your teenage years. But all yeah, it, all it took oh. for you guys, you know, to really to really go for it was to have all your obstacles removed, and that's what destroyed <laughs> you. <laughs> and, that, and that was it. Once we had all our obstacles removed, we were like, hang on, wait a minute, we should probably put some things back in the way. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. I might actually go to Thailand. To be fair, <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> so when did you? When did? What year did you start Treehouse Fire? Sir? Treehouse Fire would have been twenty eleven, I think. But that was when I think I did my first tour by myself as Treehouse Fire in twenty eleven, and it Perfect. sort of rolled from there. Really, man. It, it was boss. I managed to get in whole get uh, my drummer from college, who was like a good old mate of mine, plus a friend of his. So that was like the first incarnation of the band. Then the drummer stayed and we got actually got Matt Carson in to play bass. So he oh, played bass in Treehouse Fire for a bit. So that was quality. Um, then after that, we uh, we went to Wales to record a CD. Um, and the engineer and the producer there were in an awesome Scarcore band. So I asked them if they could play on our record, like um, saxophone and some keys. And they were like, yeah, definitely. And literally a week before the record came out, I found out their band had split up. So I was like an actual vulture, like emailing. It was like, we've got a tour booked. Do you want to come on tour and be in the band? And they were like, yeah, go on then. And then so they've been in the band for like eight years now. So it's been sick. Well, nine years now. Yeah, 2012 that was that they all finally joined. First record out. Can you pinpoint best and worst gigs with Treehouse Fire? The best easy peasy would have been Boomtown four years ago Boomtown four years ago um, you so played that played... quite a few times there haven't you yeah we, I think we've done five done five Boomtowns now which is absolutely wicked like, amazing so it's genuinely that's my that's my holiday every year it's yeah. just been the sickest you know and, and being able to legitimately not have to buy a ticket because your band's playing is like yeah. one of the nicest like that's cool as shit that, in fact that's the made it that's the made it time there not yeah, being able to go to Boomtown without paying that's but um, yeah so the, the, the best one was the first year that we played the Hidden Woods and we played just before a guy called Prince Fatty, who is an absolute inspiration like, to me personally. Incredible, incredible sound creator. Beautiful, beautiful vibes. But we played on the Friday, kind of mid-afternoon, just before him. So everybody's packing out this place. And we turn up to play. I know there's like genuinely a fair few thousand people there watching, waiting. Mm. And our friend Rob, who plays in a wicked band called Darko, he's, he's our driver and our our techie so he's there like tuning up guitars getting all the bits ready on stage and he I remember him and he, his band have played some amazingly big gigs as well but then he came out after tuning up our guitars and was just like there's a lot of people out there <laughs> don't cheat oh, yourself man <laughs> yeah so no but honestly like, so then at that point obviously I think we all just kind of like had a peer around the backstage was like oh okay but it was just one of those ones where everything just felt right you know 
another amazing gig. We won a, a you know, the the whiskey fireball. Yeah, we, yeah, we won, we won the fireball competition to to support some sick bands in Bristol. Okay. So we uh, supported like a uh, real big fish and Mad Caddies and Andy Flag and stuff like that, and that was wicked. Um, but yeah, in fact, I'll call this one the weirdest gig because you go into it with all that excitement and anticipation. Yeah. You're like, this is going to be mad. They put us on 10 minutes before doors opened. No way. <laughs> yeah. What? So oh, we, before yeah, the doors opened? Before, ten, literally like five, 10 minutes before doors opened. So we ended up Fuck. with like about a five, 10 minute set to the some people that came in early because everyone else is still queuing outside. Oh man, so that, that was so That savage. was probably the most annoying purely because <laughs> you think it's going to be absolutely incredible. But at the same time, I did get to drink a bottle of Fireball with um, Aaron from Real Big Fish. So that was That's pretty sweet. Well, there got, you yeah. go. Yeah. That doesn't come with a ticket. Oh, and I made our drummer pull over on the hard shoulder on the way home so I could bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and what's coming up in 2021 for you guys then? Yeah, my album, album-wise, we're we're probably about three quarters of a way through re- through writing, I think. But obviously, we're trying to work out the logistics of how we're going to record because the isolation jams we did fairly on a budget. A lot of it, my vocals were done on my phone, you know, so yeah. not even proper setups and stuff. So we want an album. If we're going to put out a proper album, we want it to have have the power that we we know our albums can have, you know. So, But, we're, yeah, we're nearly done writing it, got to kind of tweak things, then hopefully sort out jams when we can actually, like, mix again. You know, it's, yeah, it's all a bit of a crazy one, but yeah, I, I just can't, can't wait to actually get out and yeah. do a gig again. It's going to be amazing. That's yeah. for sure. And in the meantime, I guess, if, if there is, I mean, initially it's going to be my mum and Jack's mum listening to this. But if, if they were interested to hear you, uh, where, where should they go to hear some of your stuff? Uh, any, you can yeah, find us out on all of the socials, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, is tree, at Treehouse Fire or at Treehouse Fire UK. Um, if you want to get into the first band that we were talking about today, yes, here's a secret, guys. We, our first ever website is still live. Come on, like, who's, who's paying for the domain? Who's paying for that? No one, no one. <laughs> it's a tri- it's a dot tripod dot com domain, and we've tried everything we can to get it taken off, <laughs> and it will, <laughs> and we can't. So we want to read it out. What is it? Yeah, so if you yeah, say first band is a uh, complex GSL, all one word dot tripod dot com if you want to the first ever band there's some absolute peach worthy like 14 15 year old promo shots of us being weird nippers uh, but yeah but current band treehouse fire at treehouse fire uk find us on all the socials instagram um spotify apple music facebook wherever you want we're, we're there we were in a band so that was our two-part interview with the one and only Sam from Treehouse Fire. Fantastic stuff. So thank you very much, Sam, for joining us. Um, really, really great to have you on the show. An absolute pleasure. Yeah, shout out, Sam. Big up, Sam and the Treehouse Fire boys. That was wicked. Yeah, definitely. I really look forward to going to see them live when we're all allowed to do that sort of thing again. I hope so, man. I hope soon. Yeah. If you wanted to check out Treehouse Fire, they've got a website, treehousefire.co.uk, and everything is on there. Yeah, hit them up on all their socials as well. Um, pretty much Treehouse Fire UK across the board, Spotify, YouTube, Instagram. Um, great bunch of lads and some some smashing tracks there as well. Thanks to anyone. If you did listen, if you made it this far for the We Were In A Band podcast, thank you very much for listening. 
Yeah, appreciate you, man. Appreciate you if you did make it this far. <laughs> and um, obviously, we're going to be doing more episodes, so it'd be great if you could uh, listen to those and get to the end of those too. That'd be wicked. Um, yeah. Give us a little subscribe. Give us a little um, a review. Apparently, that bumps you up the old charts in terms of oh, podcasts, Jack. Yeah. I'll get my mum on that then. Yeah, I'll get my mum to do it too. So that's yeah. two reviews. Two um, reviews. <laughs> woo! We're going to double those every week, hopefully. Yeah, smashing it. And obviously, this is not to be confused with... Uh, there's a podcast out there called I'm in a Band, which deals with how to sort of process negative feedback. But we're obviously all about negative feedback. So this podcast has no affiliation with that podcast. Exclusively about negative feedback. Hey everyone, how you doing? It's Finn. Uh, just popping my head in here at the end to say thanks so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you you're getting to the end of the first one. Please do stick with us. Apologies for any little audio scrapes or bubbles or mishaps you might hear in the first episode. We're recording over Zoom, we're learning as we go and it will get better over time. Uh, so thank you for bearing with us on that. Uh, wanted to intro... A little bit that we're going to do at the end of each podcast. Obviously, we hear uh, some of the very first tracks from the bands and artists that we're talking to, but we also want to leave you with a little flavour of where they're at now. Um, and if you're interested, we dropped a load of links to their Spotify's, their socials, their wherever's. You can hear them uh, online, so go and check them out. But we're going to leave you with a track here from Treehouse Fire. This one's called The Messenger. Enjoy it. We'll see you on the next one. Cheers. Kitchen, 
making everyone hot Turning friend against friend Grew up a couple miles apart and now you hate them Never before we seen a sort of statement Cause on the whole we seem quick to commit to the quick Readily accept them snippets of knowledge No matter how hostile Yeah. 